What's up, crew? It is April the 11th, 2023, the final installment, final episode of the Clover Tack podcast for the early 2023 season. Uh, powered by and big thanks to, of course, MTM Case Guard. We've said it all season here, but if you haven't checked out all of the cool stuff they got, especially if you're unfamiliar with MTM Case Guard, because man, They've been around for a long time. Yeah, thank you, Moo. Sorry about that. May 11th, 2023. My apologies. Um, yeah, check out mtmcase-guard.com. And if you're into firearms, hunting, camping, fishing, reloading, archery, just about anything, uh, they've got some really cool stuff over there, something that you probably can't live without. Uh, I really have uh, been enjoying the various shooting tables that they got. Uh, I know that for reloaders in particular, the uh, ammunition storage boxes are a uh, a big thing with them. Uh, but uh, they have shooting rests and all kinds of stuff. And if you do hop over on mtmcase-guard.com, you can use code CloverTech and it'll save you 10%. We've got uh, Chase in the house here he's uh back i'm sure eating all of the donuts cookies and other goodies in the green room we'll bring him in shortly he's going to be talking about uh eaa we'll talk about that uh, mc14t as well as the uh, witness 2311s and all the other cool stuff that eaa has been bringing into the country uh over the uh last few years at least anyway before we get to uh chase though I want to give a uh, thanks, as always, to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, those that super chat, those that super thanks, those that shop, clovertech.com slash shop, uh, and also say that we are proud to be a member of uh, Professional Outdoor Media Association, POMA, as well as uh, one of the many, many, many firearm-related, outdoor-related, 2A-related podcasts over on Firearms, uh, Firearms Radio network if i can get that out properly uh as well as the uh newly i guess established rapid fire radio network to go along with uh, of course rapid fire radio which i uh, was able to uh jump into their radio show for about an hour yesterday that's over on the rapid fire radio channel or maybe the cape gunworks channel i can't remember uh, but uh either way uh thanks to cape gunworks uh, for kicking that uh, little podcast radio network off. I really appreciate those guys. So if you get a chance, uh, patronize them. Tell them uh, patronize. Maybe that's not the right word. Become a patron of theirs, meaning check out all the cool stuff they got. Uh, and uh, tell them thanks for starting that, uh, yeah, that little radio network. With that said, let's get Chase in the house. Chase, live from the car, I guess. Uh, tonight it's my very plush office right now yeah yeah <laughs> now are you in the volkswagen i am <clears throat> i'm in the v-dubs okay okay so you've got nice seats i'm assuming oh yeah they've been away and everything they're great <laughs> are we are we talking leather or what are we talking oh, yeah. about okay okay yes. they're leather they're heated you know all that good stuff are they cooled too or just heated yeah Got the ventilation, oh, man. There you go. It's, it's nice. Florida. You got to have the ventilation. Got to have that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, does your wife ever do this? You're driving down the road and she'll flip on your cooled seat and you not know it? No, but she'll do it to my heater because she knows I hate it unless it's like absolutely cold really? and my back's killing me. Yeah. Yeah. I like the heated seat, even if it's a little bit warm. I like the heated seat because if you've got the AC on, it's not so bad. Yeah, uh, and and turn that heated seat on, and man, it feels so good on your back. But um, like like in the mornings on the drive to work, because you know I'm about 25 minutes from the shop. Yeah. So like you first get up, you're a little stiff. You know, you hit that, it it definitely helps. Yeah. But she's the weirdo, man. Like it can be 85, 90 degrees outside. It's hot in the car, and she'll turn the heated seat on. Wow. Okay. Yeah, for me, it's more of a back thing. Um. Yeah. Or if it's, or if it's, you know, really cold or something like that. And it's pre predominantly when I first get into the car more than anything, uh, or if we're on a long trip, it's nice too, but yeah, she'll yeah. flip the, 
she'll flip the uh the ac the cooling the whatever seat on and i'll be sitting there and it'll take me a while to realize it but i feel like i peed my pants at some point and i'm like what in the world's going on and i'll look down and it's she's turned that on and so it's a really weird feeling if the if the ac the cooled seat is on and you don't realize it's on um it's yeah. uh yeah it's, and it's, i don't know about yours like they take a second to catch up um yeah it kind of depends on the interior of the car how cold it is how hot it is what you're trying to run the temperature yeah. uh you know a lot of different things like that quite honestly yeah. the heat the heat gets hot fast but the, the ventilation takes a minute yeah yeah well you know uh scientifically speaking there's no such thing as cold right so there you go <laughs> so it's wizardry that we even have cold that's what i'm trying to say um yeah let's jump off of that real quick uh because there's always the chance somebody is tuning in and if you are man am i ever uh sorry that this is the first podcast that you're tuning into uh for sure but there's always people that are tuning in for the first time uh real quickly though for those that are live for those that are uh out there if you got questions pertaining to EAA and the products and other things for Chase as we're moving forward, uh, definitely chime in in the live chat with those. If you're in replay, you can use the comments down below. Uh, and uh, programming note, we may have, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we have a, uh, a special guest. We have someone that jumps in uh, and crashes the show here in about, ooh, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes maybe. Um but for those out there that may be new and they go, hey, what is this EAA thing? And some people have a misconception with EAA anyway. Um, give us a quick rundown, a quick overview of who is EAA and what do they do? Or you guys do, I guess. Yeah, so EAA is European American Armory. And we are a firearms importer. So we import firearms, obviously, from the European segment of the world. Um, you know, did Tanfolio for... 30 plus years out of Italy. We still do Wyrock. I uh, do, you know, obviously the Gerson stuff now and the Akar Churchill shotguns. But basically, we go and source high quality firearms in Europe and bring them to the American market. There you go. Uh, pretty much that simple. So, uh, yeah, EAA does not manufacture. That's kind of what I'm getting at. I see yeah. a lot of comments on my Gerson videos, uh, some of the older Tanfoglio stuff, especially now that you guys aren't importing those anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, talking about EAA and, like, you guys are not the manufacturer. You've got a lot of input, right, into the manufacturing process, but ultimately you're not the guys running the machinery. Correct. Like, we do... Like, as a matter of fact, the owner, like, you know, you know, Keith, he's over there right now. He's been over there for the mm -hmm. last two weeks. He goes over, you know, five, six times a year. So it works out basically every other month he's over there. We talk to the factory or the representatives pretty much daily. I mean, we have a lot of say in what goes on over there. Right. They're a partner to us. And, you know, we work together extremely well, especially with your son. You know, Wyrock's a pretty well machine for 30-plus years of doing business with them. That just kind of runs itself. For mm -hmm. we're able to do a lot of really neat things and a lot of stuff pretty quickly. As, like, you know, the last couple of years, you know, you've seen a lot of this stuff change where we can just bring out new stuff or tweak stuff or do whatever we want real quick. Right. Yeah. And, you know, not to throw any other companies that import under the bus or, or, uh, or drop names or anything like that, but... I have found, and, and like you know, you know a lot of folks in the in the overall industry as well. But it seems to me like there's there's very few companies that have as if any that have as much input into the manufacturing of the firearms they import as you guys do. Would you agree with that or or disagree? Oh, I would absolutely agree with that. Most most importers basically source a product, mm -hmm. bring it in resell it call it a day and they may make some input here and there if they want hey we want to do this instead of this or this trigger that most of them aren't talking directly to the factories talking directly to the engineers going this is what we want this is what mm -hmm. the u.s market needs here this is what we want to change here you have a really good idea of product here but this is what we need to tweak this is what we need to change they don't get to do all that right right um so 
the elephant in the room, the thing that we, we have to kick off and we have to talk about is this this thing that Omar screwed up on the, the launch <laughs> and it debuted it at uh, NRAM and it's a single shot 380 I hear that you have to load with some kind of doodad gadget on the on the magazine and it ejects the shells back into your face. I, I don't understand this uh, MC 14T gadget that you guys come out with, but uh, that's why I wanted to have you on. I wanted you to clear up and, and tell us why does the world need a single shot 380 that has to have a special mag loader and eject shells into your face. Like why in the world are you guys doing that? Well, I mean, we had to do one because there wasn't one. Oh, that's I mean, valid. That's a I valid mean, reason. There wasn't there wasn't one that was absolutely <laughs> that backwards, so we had to make one. Right. No, I mean the MC fourteen T is a it's a really cool little product. I mean we do so you essentially have a Beretta Cheetah platform, the eighty four with an 86 style tip barrel, but we did a lot of upgrades to this gun. I mean, that was a gun that came out 30 years ago. It just never really went anywhere. The single stack 86, part of the Cheetah family. Right. So we took the idea, tweaked it, gave it a rail, made it a tip up barrel. The cool thing is on the tip up, it's a, it's a one push lever barrel tips right up. You push it back down. It locks itself. You don't have to hold the barrel down and flip a lever to lock the barrel. Right. It cycles and like the slide cycles like any other semi-auto. It's a you know 13 plus one round magazine. So you got 14 rounds of 380 when it's got one in the barrel itself, one in the chamber magazine. You've got ambi safety. It's a double single. It's I mean we joke around we call it the solution because it's the solution to problem with people with hand strength issues. Yeah. If you've got arthritis, if you've got older people with you know don't have the hand strength they used to. Mm-hmm. ladies newer shooters whatever the case may be it's a gun that everybody can use and that's the whole point of that yeah yeah and and i mean even if you can't so you know we've obviously talked about it you know i got to see it at uh, uh i guess one of the first iterations of it anyway yeah. um at uh shot show so several months before it actually released um i was blessed enough to, to be able to see it and i thought it was amazing um even that version, uh, I thought was amazing. The, the actual production models and stuff, even more so. Um, and from that, like I, you know, I don't have an issue. Uh, the Breda Cheetahs, would you disagree? They're one of the hardest ones to rack, anyway. They are, and I mean, so I've had this conversation with a lot of people, and I have a good amount of experience with a Cheetah. You know, I've oh, I still, I still them, have one in them. my, I still have one in my EDC rotation. So, yeah, I mean, my father-in-law's yeah. got one that I would like to get my hands on at some point because it's in really good shape. Yeah, but it's <clears throat> the problem with the cheetah is being a you know being the design of the thing, it's a super hard recoil spring in that. So yes. most people can't cycle that, and we had to really play with that gun to make it cycle correctly, especially in a direct blowback. Mm-hmm. It does cycle fine. It does eject shells normally. We even had to do videos for people who didn't believe they worked that way. Right. Which I know we've joked about that before and you've seen them. But yes, it ejects up and to the right like most other semi automatic handguns. Right. Just, it's a tip barrel. You don't have, it's not a single shot. It's just the barrel physically tips up, no different than a Tomcat, no different than a Bobcat or, you know, the Taurus PT22s they've did. Mm. Barrel tips up, drop around in, close it, you're ready to go. If you want to unload it, do the reverse. Open barrel, drop the round right out in your hand. Or you can drop the mag and rack the slide. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, and that's kind of what I was I was saying. Having the having a an eighty four uh, cheetah in my EDC, you know, depending on and uh, you know, I haven't been able to you know put any rounds down range with this, and and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the testing you guys have done. But I haven't been able to do that. NRA does not obviously have a range day associated. Well, they did have a range day associated with it this year, but. Uh, I didn't get to go, and I don't think you guys were there anyway, were you? We were not. Yeah, okay. Was, so I didn't find out until it was like last minute anyway. I think Primary right. Arms put it on. Yeah, yeah. And some of those smaller events like that, uh, yeah, they don't they don't promote them. And, and it may have been because of limited space. I'm not knocking on Primary Arms, the people that were over that, that range day. Um, but, you know, point is, you know, haven't been able to lay hands. On, but assuming that if it performs as well as, you know, all things being equal, 
as far as features of the cheetah and you know the performance I've, i see from it if it's equal doesn't even have to be better if it's equal uh, I'm all on board with replacing my Cheetah with the MC14T simply because of those extra options that you mentioned. You've got the option of the tip-up barrel. You've got the option of the, you know, mag loader, right? I mean, yep. what if, you know, we always talk about, well, you're having to rack a slide one-handed or do this or do that, right? Well, you could, you could use that magazine loader. Uh, and for those that are not familiar, check out, uh, you know, any of the various videos, mine or, or anybody else from NRAM that did a video in the EAA booth. But you have that one single round in the mag loader. You could keep that as a last resort round, right? Or a backup round or something yep. of that nature. And, you know, you run it dry and, you, you know, you could load it easier that way, I guess is what I'm getting at. In a one-handed type situation, could you not? You could. Absolutely, you could. And that's the whole point is, I mean, besides like what we're talking about in those situations, you've got somebody who may not be as steady as they used to be. You got somebody who's got some advanced age on them or they've got, you know, a medical condition or whatever. They can grab the magazine, literally just hooked around in the barrel. It pops right in, mm-hmm. throw the mag in there. And now you're ready to go. Right. You know, right. you've got a lot of option there. Now, one thing that I've seen, and I don't have a problem with this. I'm a 380 guy. You know this. A lot of folks out there do. Uh, you know, got the uh, the Glock 42 is my primary. The Broda Cheetah right now is my secondary. And then I've got a Taurus Protector Poly in 38 simply because revolver, right? Yep. Um, sometimes there's a there's a need for that. So that's my, that's my big three in EDC. Uh, so, you know, familiar, comfortable, confident, and confident with uh, 380. But one thing that I found with 380, and like I said, not so much in my Cheetah, but definitely in the Glock 42 and a lot of the little, what I would call a pocket pistol, you know, smaller frame polymer stuff, is you really got to be careful with ammunition. Uh, You know, a very, if it's a very extreme blunt tipped or jagged tipped hollow point, um, and you don't keep that ramp polished really well, and then considering you have good springs and other things going on, right? Um, I see a lot of those having issues and, and it's not really a problem that can't be overcome. You just, it's, it's maintenance and, and making sure you take care of that firearm. So it will run that ammunition properly. So what types of ammunition have you guys ran through the MC 14 T is my question. Uh, and have you in, identified any, any issues that had to, you had to go back and correct. So we ran just about every 380 we could get our hands on, be it ball ammunition from several, several manufacturers, hollow points from several, several different manufacturers. Even got, um, you know, John over at True Shot even sent me in some old 380 subgun ammo we ran through it, and it oh, ate nice. it all fine. The only thing we really ran across the whole time, and we shot over several pre-production guns and some prototypes. I mean, you're talking thousands of rounds of 380 went through these things. Mm-hmm. The only issue we really ran across was, for whatever reason, it's the way SIG seats the defensive ammo. Mm. It's... It's the way it's like it, like the projectiles like set back a little bit, and I even noticed it like in my LCP a few years ago that it wasn't the most reliably feeding. Like it right. fed in like their 238, great, but it didn't feed in like my LCP or this or a couple other guns. Right. And that's just that's that's the one round we identified that it didn't really like. Everything else it ran it like a champ. So it was a little short as far as like overall cartridge lengths, what you're saying. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, it's just seated. I mean, I'm talking about the slightest amount of difference, but you can sure. yeah. line it up against every, everybody else's stuff. And it's just a hair short. Right. And I don't know if that's what's doing it or what, but it's the only round that it didn't really like. And it didn't hang up every that's time, but it, it was, it didn't hang up all the time, but that's the one that gave us problems. Everything else. Mm-hmm. It didn't really matter if it was, you know, gold dot, hydroshock, critical defense, whatever right. it ran at all right wow that's that's interesting so i've never run any of that uh sig throw through the cheetah but i know that you know i haven't had i can't sit here and tell you anything that i've had a noticeable problem with with it so that's uh obviously that's why i wanted to ask that so um yeah user out there he came in a little late says is this the new tip-up barrel gun yes that's what we're talking about right now and then ghost had a uh had a question about uh, key theory he says does key speak turkish 
I mean, it depends on how late in the night it is. <laughs> right. He no, may we cry. Do. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> we do have a uh, we do have a couple guys we rely on that are you know over there in Turkey that are pretty fluent, and that's who we tend to do most of our communication. I mean, most of them speak English pretty decently. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I know that. We, I know that we went to. I don't know who the who the guys were at NRAM last year when we went to, went to eat. Those were the um, guys from a car, and oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was actually the owner of a car's son was the younger guy we were talking. Yeah, to. he said he had went to school and he had went to college in what Canada or something. So yeah, he's very he was, fluent. Yeah, yeah, but the other one he could he could understand a little bit of what you were saying. Yeah, but Simi's a. He was yeah. a really nice guy. He is a really nice guy. He's just, uh, he doesn't, he speaks a little bit to get around. You know, you can, you can right. converse with him, but that's where a translator really comes in. And I've, I'm going to be totally honest. I've looked at, like, I've played around on Babel and stuff, and mm-hmm. Turkish is a lot harder than people think. And, like, Paul's played a little bit with it, and that's already funny in itself. If anybody knows Paul, it's, and it's a, it's a very, it's a language that has a lot of influence from other it does. languages, basically. And so it's it there's does. a lot going on there. Yeah. Because a lot of people will think, what is it, like uh, Aramaic or Arabic or something like that. And it's like, it's really close if you speak that, but it's not quite. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I too have looked into it. And I can, I know some, some a few words and phrases, not much. But yeah. let's be honest, you and I both have trouble with the English language pretty often. So uh, I think we both fall into that camp. So Yeah, everybody hears uh, us talk and they're like, oh, these guys are idiots. Uh, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, even if you could, even if you could have a basic conversation with somebody, right? If they, if they knew talking about the Turks, if they knew English just well enough, maybe like Simi or whatever to have a basic conversation, when you start getting into the nuances of manufacturing firearms, (laughs) that's a whole different uh, thing. You really got to make sure that you're using the right words and the right measurements and numbers and other things, or it could be an absolute disaster. True. And that's, that's where the guys we rely on, like kind of like you know, they they're our go between between us and the uh, you know in the factory, and they translate all that for us. And then as the factory gives us stuff, they translate it back, and that makes life much easier that way. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, as we said before, Omar botched the the release of the of the MC14T, um, <laughs> but just a couple of months before he he botched that up. Well, it's the uh, Colombian calorie messes them up. I guess so. You guys, uh, you guys dropped the um, the witness twenty three eleven. Yep. And I want you to talk about the witness twenty three eleven. Of course, we're going to get into all of that because it, it's pretty fascinating. Fascinating options and and things that you guys are doing with those. Um, but you know, first I want to ask: has has it been a struggle? This is something that we've had some private conversations about, or at least I have with other people. I don't know that you and I have talked about this, but is do you guys see any problem dropping those as close together as they seem to have dropped, or because the MC14T is so unique and specific, um, is it kind of in its own field over there somewhere? I think it really is because it's kind of its own field. It's just, it's a different animal altogether. And we did, you know, the 2311 was the more of the shot show focus. Mm-hmm. The tip up was more the NRA focus. And we intentionally wanted to do the tip up at NRA because you had the general public there. And that's where that gun needed to be shown. And a lot of old fogies, be honest. That's 100%. We all know what the demographic be of the NRA honest. looks like. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of 50 plus year old people there. And yeah. that was a, that is a perfect, that's, that's the target audience. I mean, yeah. let's be real. Mm-hmm. And so that went over. I mean, you know, we, you, I mean, you were there. You saw how busy that booth stayed, especially the first two days. Sunday oh, yeah. was a little calmer, but I mean, I'll give it to NRA. The NRA show was really good this year, and I'm, you know, that's not the show I normally look the most forward to, right? Depending on others. Well, I got that from I got that from many, many, many companies and other people that have been there, and I know, you know, I've been every year for quite a few years now, and yeah. um. It definitely the busiest Friday ever. 
at NRA. And it was it was on par, if not better. I can't necessarily say that Saturday was the best ever. Saturday um, or Sunday. But both of those days were they were average or better. I'll put it to you that yeah. way. So you had a you had attendance way up on Friday and then Saturday and Sunday were were at least average, if not better. Yeah, I would say that for sure. Friday was insane, which it was good. I mean, that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what and that's what I was saying is it's not it's not that I'm saying it's a bad show. It's just it's some of the people that come. You have a very so we've had these conversations before. There's a very certain group of people. Mm-hmm. You're just yeah. like it's gonna be one of those days. Yeah. Whereas this show, there was a lot more people who are more energetic to be there. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like they were just they were happy to be there. They were excited to be there. It was just a different vibe the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So now back to the, the 2311, and let's start getting into that. And by the way, if you're out there live, if you've got questions, uh, whether that's the MC14T, the Witness 2311, or that we're fixing to talk about, or any of the other things that you've seen out there from uh, from Gasson or Lyrock or Akar or is that it? Or I'm missing one. No, you're good now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, throw them out there. And also, if you're in replay, like I said, there's there's comments below. Jump in here. Uh, but the 2311, run through that because we've got different frames. We've got different calibers. We've got different barrel links. We've got, my God, the options are almost endless with that. So the 2311 is basically a total system solution is the best way to look at that. Mm-hmm. So you have a double stack 1911. We call it the Witness 2311 because you can't call it a 2011 because somebody else owns the rights to that, even though everybody tends to call all double stacks 2011s. Right. You know, if that was STI, now Staccato, they own that. And so we call it the Witness 2311, 2311 because it came out 2023. Pretty pretty easy to figure it out. Sure. But we decided to go a little different than everybody else did. Everybody's got 9 mil, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a, obviously a big 9 millimeter fan. But we're also doing them in 10 mil, and we're also doing them in a 45. Mm. And we're doing them in an an officer frame, and a commander frame, and a government. And then the 6-inch, 10 millimeter. Right. So if you got a pig or a bear problem, I have a solution. Because it's a 15 around 10 mil. Yep. Yep. How many, um, now, all of those, so all of the calibers are available and all of the frames are available and all of the barrel links are will be. I don't want to say they are because I know how production They're, has to roll out. But Yeah. Is Everything that the will be available. Yeah. Everything will be available with the exception of the 6-inch and the 6-inch at the moment is 10-millimeter only. Okay. Because the top ends are basically the same top ends that are the legacy 1911s. Take uh, those, leg, those top ends, put them on the 2311 frame. I got you. Because that is that the only is the only six inch you guys have, and that would be the hunter, right? Is that correct? The only six inch you guys have is that one. Yep, just the okay. ten mil hunter. I got. So you. it just translates over to a twenty three eleven hunter, basically. Okay. I mean, okay. we've we've discussed other calibers, but right. as of right now, it's ten mil only, and the nines and the tens will be the first ones to start. Will be the first ones on the market. The forty fives will follow on later this year. And that's more of a just a magazine trying to get forty five magazines were the furthest out in the production schedule. Ah, so gotcha. they'll be the last ones introduced. And so the forty fives even in the shorter barrel is, is gonna be a thing? Oh yeah. Really? Do okay. an officer and all of them. So think of like an ultimate wow. basically, mm-hmm. but in a double stack. Wow. And that's something else that I don't know if everybody knows or not. We haven't really made a huge push with it yet. So, with the exception of the six-inch hunter, everything is going to be optics ready. So, mm-hmm. same gotcha. top, basically the same optics cut that is on the ultimates. You're going to have the RMSC footprint, which we have our far dot, but any RMSC footprint optic will go right on there. Right. But in that thousand-dollar retail price for the nines and forty-fives, ten mils, thirty bucks more, you'll actually get a far dot in the box for free. Oh wow! Okay. So at least you got something to kind of get out to the range to start out or whatever. Yeah. You so you'll have do. you'll have irons ready, but basically the plate comes off. You're you have a uh-huh. plate basically in place with your rear sight on it. It comes off. Your optic goes right on there. So you have the choice either way. Right. Yeah. That's nice. I mean, optics is kind of a personal thing. 
but yeah. I really like I really like what what Gerson does with that in the optics ready and then having the optic on there. Um, and I've I've talked to Keith in the past, and this was back. Man, I want to say that's probably been at least three years ago. Probably we were talking about the regard or something being optics ready. Um, and I yeah. know we had talked about I think it was maybe even the MC three twelve shotgun um, that it also has a rail and was a version at least at that time that came with the optic. Um, and he was telling me just like he's in Turkey now kind of overseeing and making sure that the manufacturing is going right and, and filling things out. He told me that there was a lot of thought, uh, put into the optic, the company that made the, you know, the optic that you guys choose to use and the company that's making them. And he actually made some trips overseas for that. Um, uh, just, just to make sure that it wasn't just absolute garbage coming in. Yeah. Cause you want something that's going to halt I me, mean, even though it's a, a more affordable optic that we're basically giving away with the guns. You want to make sure right. it's a good quality optic. It's not just going to die on somebody after the first few rounds. Cause a lot of those right. things do, a lot of those are terrible. Yeah. You know, a lot of yeah. stuff's made for airsoft guns and things like that, that won't hold up to recoil. It won't hold up to muzzle blast. Won't hold up to overpressure, any of that stuff. So right. you gotta have something that works, even if it's not, you know, a Trigicon level, Optic, right. Yeah. But you want, yeah. you know, but you want something that's functional and that's the whole idea behind those. Well, it's also a good thing for those people that, you know, maybe they haven't made the decision to really go optic. Right. But this is a, this is an option where if the handgun comes with that, they can throw that on there, go to the range. And if they're like, okay, okay. I kind of like this. Well, then they can go out and get them on a high end dot at that point. If that's, you know, and they're not spending that money on that high end dot up front. You feel what I'm saying? And then yeah. finding out that they don't like that. They'd rather have irons. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's the whole point, especially like on these guns, like basically giving you an optic in there, you get a chance to try it. Hey, I haven't been a dot guy, or I've been kind of curious to try one. I want the gun anyway. Well, now I have an opportunity to try this, see if it's something for me. And they can go, I really like this idea, but I want to try, you know, a Hollow Sun 407 or a Shield RMSC or whatever optic that's that footprint you want to run. Right. Now you have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, we're going to kind of go down the line here, apparently, of, uh, you know, stuff. But but Chris Lang out there, he says, does Gerson have a budget-friendly commander size? 1911 they they just might i might i might i do so in nine millimeter 45 both i do have a commander 1911 you're i mean street price you're going to be in like that mid 500 dollars ballpark uh-huh. um yeah. I'll, we do have the new 10 millimeter c's as well talking about new guns oh, so we have yeah. a commander size 10 mils as well i know you're familiar not uh, not uh, commander size when you put the comp on one, but yeah. No, but it does, you know. Yeah. We do have several options in the 10 mil and the commander size as well. So somebody who wants to carry a 10 mil and they don't want a traditionally full-size gun, now you have an option there as well. Right. Right. And, you know, comparatively, and this is just my, of course, my opinion, but comparatively to... Um, some of the other budget-friendly, I'll use the word that, that Chris out there used, uh, to some of the other budget-friendly uh, 1911s that are out there, um, I see the difference. I see a difference in them. And, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, a 1911 is a 1911 is a 1911. But there's a difference in raw materials used um, as well as the manufacturing process and the care taken in that manufacturing process and there's there is a company out there that imports their stuff from the philippines um and their qc seems to be really lacking i don't think they have quite have the relationship with their manufacturing that you guys have with grisson yeah i would say that's pretty true i'm not gonna I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. Well, I'm not, not saying everybody. they're bad, and that's why I haven't mentioned no, no. the name. I'm not saying but, they're bad. But, you know, you know apples to every... apples. I'm going Gerson. Oh, yeah. And it's not... Let me kind of preface this. It's not because I work for the company, but I'm not, I won't lie to anybody. I'm a self-avowed gun snob, and I know it. Yeah. And 
you know, I have a certain expectation for certain platforms. That being said, these are extremely high quality guns for the money. The whole idea behind this line is to have an exceptional quality gun at an affordable price point. Right. I want to have a, a firearm that is in a two to three times its price range class at a price point that the average consumer can afford it. Right. Not everybody can afford the Ed Browns, the Wilson Combats, the Les Bears of the world. You know, a lot of guys are stretching hard for a mid-tier Kimber or a Springfield. I can get you a gun that will perform with those for a fraction of the price. That's the whole point behind them. Yep, right. And uh, Tactical Bud out there says, uh, I have the 1911 MC, uh, and I love it. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, the, um, so I guess the next one, and we've, we've obviously, we've talked about it before, but I think since we've talked about it last, there's definitely been some new things that's come down the pipe with the, um, um, the P35, right? A little bit. I mean, you know, I'm playing around with my avatar right now. And so it's pretty hard to miss the (laughs) green on a, right. On a high power. Well, since we've talked last, the PIs come out, right? Correct, and that's what that is. So that's a that's a special edition we did for a large distributor. So if you like this gun, you can go to your local dealers and say, "Hey, I want the you know Xander special edition PI," and they can hook you up. Uh-huh. So we do a lot of special runs for the distributors and things like that. Some of the box stores, and this is one of them. So your PI is a throwback or an homage to the old you know detective models that they didn't make a ton of mm-hmm. well you can't call it a detective because that was already used so that's what we call it the pi so you basically have a three-quarter inch reduced high-powered overall length so you have effectively a commander size high power right super cool guns um we actually the you saw the picture of it that shimmering silver is what they're calling it but that silver with a walnut grip uh oh yeah since so that's Davidson's exclusive. That drops today. So that's available today. Wow. So if somebody wants that particular gun, they can actually jump on, like, you know, Gun Genie and buy it straight okay. from Davidson's and have it shipped to an FFL. Right. So we do a lot and, of that. Yeah, and, and just like the 1911s, uh, we haven't talked about the regards, of course. That's been a staple for a long time. But just like the yep. 1911s uh, and, uh, and everything, the – the options available with the um, with the P35s, right? Um, yeah. Potential for flat triggers, uh, rails. The list goes on and on, right? So we had your standard gun and your standard PI, which are basically through and through true Mark III high powers. Mm-hmm. Then you have your match and your ops model. Ops has a rail match does not other than that they both have flared magwells they both have g10 grips beaver tails are the big thing adjustable rear sights fiber fronts you can actually get those optics ready flat triggers no mag disconnect they're they're everything you want to do in a custom high power but they're not going to cost you the thousand to fifteen hundred dollars to buy used high power and then an additional fifteen hundred two thousand dollars to have all the custom work done to it right now you can have everything you want in a gun for a the most expensive one, seven hundred seventy six bucks, full blown retail. Right. Yeah. And there's something to be said about getting a an original high power and then molesting it. You're better off leaving an original. Yeah, and that's an issue a lot of people have. Now we've talked about it. You know, a lot of people, if they get one, and even if they get an original and they do all the work they want to it, now they've got something they've got three, four thousand dollars plus in. Mm-hmm. They don't want to carry that. They don't want to shoot that. You know, they may shoot it a good bit. It's going to be a range toy, but they're not going to carry it. They're not really going to use it hard. And so you have the option now of having a firearm that performs like that, but at a fraction of the cost that you'll actually use, you'll actually want to carry a lot of a lot of good incentives there. Right. Uh, ghost out there, ghost out there getting jealous on the green. He says, uh, when is the ghost model coming out? So. He's, oh, man, red. I got his, he's got to find me somebody who wants to do red and red, white, and blue. We can make it happen. <laughs> right. Right. 
had to uh, love up to some distributors is uh, about That's all it. it takes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what were you fixed to say, Chase? I was going to say, we even have something new we're working on. I actually just got approval for them that nobody really knows about yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the MCP35 world, they are already pretty well advanced working on the alloy frames. Oh, wow. Okay. So you'll have yeah. an even easier to carry model here soon. Right. Wow. That can be pretty cool. Um, now, as far as the the regard, I don't know that there's much to talk about about the regard. It's been around for a while, several generations and iterations and options, just yep. like everything with Gerson. Is there anything new, really, with uh, regard to talk about? I mean, other than those that aren't familiar saying, it's and I'm a Beretta '92 Beretta guy. Um, the freaking regard is better. I I, just, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but is there anything really new about that, or have y'all kind of maxed out the regard as far as what you can do? No, I mean the regard. We still have some stuff we can play around with. That I mean, it's a it's been around for a while. It's a workhorse, you know, just like all the '92 stuff. We did bring out, you know, last year the you know, the optics ready models. And that was kind of the last of the really new stuff we've done with those. I mean, the regards still sell extremely well and they're solid, solid handguns. Uh-huh. We've just been focused more on, you know, the last couple of years, the P35s, the 2311s, the MC14T, you know, some newer stuff in the marketplace too, you know, you know coincide with legacy guns like the regular 1911s and the regard. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, Ozzy, it, it's interesting. Ozzy's replying to Ghost out there, but says, Ghost, how about the uh, a Marine Special Edition? And yeah, Ghost says, Ozzy, I already talked to Chase about it with a regard. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. And the inside story with that is I've got a Beretta M9 that is a limited edition Marine Corps edition. So uh, they did do the military branches. And so that, that could be, be, I don't know, it'd be a little weird um, coming from Turkey, being a military edition but but i mean yes it, it, can, no. still, it can still be cool i mean we have insert like there we have an airbase yeah and you know the regard was was made for the turkish military, military. Government as Absolutely. a nato sidearm yep so not totally crazy i mean mm-hmm. right as italian made so what's the difference yeah <laughs> right yeah uh oh man but they're taking over the world man they are that's what i hear yeah, well, if if you call re-releasing old designs taking over the world and not really changing anything, just re-releasing stuff, um, yeah, I guess maybe they are. Um, speaking of the Italians and, and uh, things that Gerson, I think, is doing better than the Italians, um, man, the MC-312, right? Like, good Lord, for almost shotgun people out there. We've been talking handguns up until this point. Oh, but, I know. Um, Man, the um, the MC three twelve is so smooth. It's so nice. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Anything really new in that world? So the three twelve, you know, it's been our workhorse shotgun now since we've been dealing with Gerson. You know, people who are unfamiliar, it's an inertia three and a half inch chamber, very very similar to a Super Black Eagle, but at a third of the Price. oh yeah yeah you know and i'm yep. i mean don't get me wrong now i i own beretta shotguns i own benelli shotguns fantastic guns but not the average cons- the average consumer is coming in into a store right now especially in this fantastic economy we have right now mm-hmm. you know it's hard to justify to the average dude a two thousand dollar shotgun right now oh yeah but if you look at something that's in that 500 dollars ballpark that performs extremely well that's a lot more attractive. Yeah. So those guns do well. We did, um, so they all have an accessory rail on top now that's actually cut into the receiver. Yes, they do. So instead of it doing it just on the, like, instead of doing them just on the gobbler models, it's on all of them. So anybody who wants to run optics on shotgun can do it now. Uh, this year we brought, in the 312, we brought a new camo pattern out. So on the field guns and on the that's gobblers. Right. Yeah, you have it's very similar to Bottomland, so now you right. have basically like a you know a hardwood style 
camo on one. So you have a marsh and you have a hardwood. Now you have the option for either or. Mm-hmm. And or, of course, or, of course, black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do black and do what you want to do with that. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. That's and, uh, not a fall variation on the goose, something we've talked about. We're talking about doing, potentially doing snow camo on the goose going forward. Yeah. Yeah, and what barrel lengths are available in the in the three twelve? Do you know off the top of your head? Your standard field guns are twenty eights. Yeah. Your goose guns are thirty. The gobblers with or that pistol grip are going to be twenty fours. The sport, which is kind of like our three gun style gun, it's a twenty four. And then you have an eighteen and a half inch tack model. The tack model, right? Yeah. And again, all of those uh, have the Picatinny cut for optics right correct yeah see that's a nice option for potentially home defense Uh, oh yeah you know i don't know why you would necessarily need a red dot but some people probably feel better (laughs) having a red dot on a shotgun for turkey hunting something like that like okay i get it uh but a defensive situation or maybe maybe some type of a three-gun competition situation like i can sort of see sort of see the need for that so uh, and, you know, the beautiful thing about it is, and I don't know, my MC-312 here, which I shoot pretty regularly, um, I couldn't tell you the last time the optics been on it. But that's just me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like what we talked about before. The options there, the ability is there if I want to do it, uh, which is great. It's great to have those options. Yeah, and that's the whole point with that is you have the option to use one if you want. If you don't want it, pop it off and don't worry about it. You know, me, like on a field gun, I don't personally care for an optic on it. On a turkey gun, I absolutely see the merit to having one. But you get a, you're getting a lot of older guys now who are putting red dots on shotguns for, like, wing shooting. Yeah. Because they're getting to where they, you know, your eyesight's becoming an issue, even with corrective surgery or glasses now. And they're, a lot of these guys are saying they can pick a dot up and it draws them to the bird right. quickly. And that's what they've kind of gone to. And I, I can understand that. So that's an option for those guys as well. Right. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I subscribe to the thing that if, you're, if your shotgun fits, if you are using proper, if you're mounting well, proper form, proper swing, um, and if you, and if you're practiced enough, let's just put it that way. Um, yeah. you could pretty much, as long as you know, as long as you know, the direction the bird's moving and you hear the trap, the machine go, you know, release it, you could pretty much be blind and hit it. I mean, I know guys that are like that, like it, the, the bead, the sight, the, what that makes no difference to them. Like it's all muscle memory. Yeah. Like, we've talked extensively about it, you know, enough to make ghosts never want to talk to us again. Right. And, you know. <laughs> That's I, okay. I've got I've got several rounds through shotguns. I know you do, too. And everybody asks, you know, you'll go out there with guys who you aren't used to shooting me or whatever. Like, oh, man, where are you, where are you pointing at? What's your lead? Like, I have no idea. Yeah. Right. I literally pick up the bird and pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. I can't. I don't, I can't tell you where I don't look at my sights. Everybody's like, oh, I want this high, this side, or I want, you know, this particular fiber or this. I don't, I, I never look at it. I point sheet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think that that's the thing with shotgunning, right? Is that I think the worst thing that I, that I see in, in all my years, and I still suck at shotgunning. Don't, don't, I'm not trying to fool anybody here. Um, but, and there's a reason that I, uh, and I don't mind admitting this because it's a, it's something that's important for people to know. Uh, I come from a, like a, everybody knows that small bore pre- precision rimfire type background, right? So mm-hmm. my mind is constantly thinking, breathing, pulse, trigger pull, side alignment. It's, you know, 15,000 different things I'm thinking about, right? Yep. Um, and with shotgun, it's literally pull, bang, pull, bang. I mean, there's no thinking, there's no time. The, the, you waste a millisecond thinking about something, you're going to miss. It's that simple. Um, and a lot of people, I think, I think that's what frustrates people when they get out on a uh, shotgun range for the first time. Uh, and God forbid, let me just throw this out there. And I, chime in with your opinion. I know you do a lot of shotgun and everything too. 
Um, especially being in youth shooting sports, good Lord, I see parents buying their kids their first shotgun and they buy them a 410. And then they go out in the back pasture and start flinging, <laughs> flinging clays. And I'm like, you just gave them the absolute worst shotgun you could possibly get. You gave them expert level times 100 shotgun. Yeah. And you might as well give them a 9 mil carbine. <laughs> right. Right. Or bow and arrow. Let's be honest. Like, you know, they've got about as much chance as, as yeah. that. It's like, if they're wait till they're big enough to shoot a 20 or a 28. Uh, preferably, I would say probably starting out at 20. Um, yeah. But I, I love me a 28. And I love me a 28 mainly because of the velocities that you get on a 28. Uh, and that's, I think that's why a lot of competitions, a lot of, uh, a lot of clay shoots that you enter, most of the charity stuff and the local stuff, they don't care. Uh, but the bigger stuff, they don't allow 28. And I think it's probably why, um, is you would think that 28 being smaller than 20, you would think that it wouldn't be as good, but for, especially yeah. I think for me, and this is why I like it so much. I've got that hesitation from thinking, right? And mm -hmm. the velocity makes up for that slight thinking hesitation. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that shot column is getting there a little bit quicker, it kind of offsets. It's a crutch is what I'm telling you. Uh, if I was good, it wouldn't matter. But I'm not good. <laughs> well, I mean, we've talked several times. You know, I'm a 28-gauge fan. That's my personal favorite shotgun caliber. You know, I mean, it's not – it ain't getting any cheaper to shoot, but I don't care. I still love shooting 28 gauge. Yeah. But like, I mean, 28 gauge on a ski course, come on. Uh -huh. That's not even fair. Uh -huh. But I would tell I would rather shoot 28 over, you know, 12 or 20 any day. Oh, yeah. But, you know, your disadvantage, like on a sporting clay range, that kind of stuff. But, you know, playing around on five stand or playing around on the ski range, come on. That's just so much fun. Uh -huh. But 410s, man, that's 410s a lot harder to shoot than people think. I mean, there's no recoil. I get that, but you're essentially shooting a slug at stuff. Yeah. Especially right. at closer ranges. Right. Now, Ting Ting out there, she says, uh, our 28 gauge is the hardest to shoot. Is that true? Absolutely zero knot. 410 is the hardest, without a doubt. 410. 28 yeah. might be the easiest, in my opinion. I mean, I, you know, within reason. Um, 12 and 20, oh. you've got more shot. But if you are a precision-minded person like I am, then I think a 28 uh, may actually be the way to go with you. Yeah. And see, I don't know about it for you. Like, when I go shoot shotguns, I've been doing it since I was a kid. And so shotguns kind of my zen. Like, I just – I really enjoy, like, going to a sporting clay range or going to a five-stand, and that just – it's yeah. fun for me. Like, I don't, oh, I don't yeah. overthink it. I don't oh, – yeah. I just – I just let it flow and it just, you know, it's just a good time. Right. You know, yeah. I like you, I'm a big precision rifle fan. And as much as I enjoy shooting precision rifle, that is a being on top of your mental awareness game. Mm -hmm. There right. is so many variables that you have to play around with to make that an enjoyable experience. Whereas to me, shotguns just like, I get to go have fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Mike out there, he says 12 gauge. My only favorite caliber for shotgun, just saying. Well, first of all, it's a gauge, not a caliber. Uh, but second of all, it's perfectly fine, Mike, for you to be wrong. We're, we're okay with that. Uh, that's what makes the world go around. Uh, tactical fun out there, Buck. He says, anything new in revolvers? So we're up against the top of the hour here. But um, is there is Y-Rock doing much new? Is there many Y-Rocks coming in right now? What's, what's happening with them? So, I mean, we're getting... You know, we get basically so they ship us, you know, a pretty decent quantity once a month. That's just how Germany works. They build them up the month, you know, throughout the month. They ship them at the end of the month. Um, not really anything like super new. They are shipping us more of the some of the six inch wind indicators now. So you. Oh, but they're not making that in a twenty the six inch in a twenty two, are they? Man, I wish so much that could get them. Man, I love my Smith & Wesson 617. One I, of, if not, my favorite yeah. revolver, right? I um, could turn that into a K-22, like a K-22 mm -hmm. masterpiece. That would be so cool. And I've so, I've so wished there was an option out there. And I thought that uh, that AL-22 from Rock Island Armory, which they weren't making it in six either. It was only four. Yeah. Uh, I thought that it might be, and I'm sorry, it's not. 
um, especially not, oh. the, especially not the price point. At least a couple of years ago, or whenever it was, I played around with them. Um, like but, when it comes to nice twenty twos that are production, like Smith owns that market and they know it. Yeah, the six seventeens, the K twenty twos, you know, model forty ones, oh yeah, semis, like they have it and they know it. Yeah, but I would love to be able to have something that's similar that's you know more affordable for people Mm -hmm. yeah and if i could if we could ever get germany to expand some which we've asked about every which way possible they're not (laughs) right Right. it's just putting a longer barrel like how like come on guys i know there's (laughs) i mean you know i give it to them they're comfortable what they got going on and they you know they know the germans you know are very forward thinking and they're very set in their ways and yeah yeah well you know you know they yeah. they have a good thing and they know it and they don't want to mess it up and i understand it that's just well, you know vince, more. vince from sham wow said it best right uh, the germans make good stuff right that's it <laughs> that's we said. all know the germans make good stuff man <laughs> right <laughs> um but yeah I, you know i think it would um so question because i've seen well, two things. Let me let me make a comment first because we were talking about you know twenty two revolvers. I will say one that I'm I'm impressed with the version I've got. I've got a I've got a Taurus Tracker. It's it's old. It's it's quite a few years old. I got a Taurus Tracker mm-hmm. in seventeen HMR. Um, I would love to have the twenty two, not the twenty two Magnum, just the twenty two long. Uh, also in six inch, the same as it. I would much prefer to have that. Uh, I've yet to find anybody that's got one that I can trade. And I don't even know that they make that particular model anymore, but I have shot them. Yep. And I, I got to say, and I got to say for the money, if you can find one of those old school Taurus trackers in 22 long in a six inch, uh, they're pretty decent. They're not that Smith and Wesson 617 I've got. You know, it's not even close. Yeah. Uh, but you're not paying but, that kind of money for it either. Exactly for the money, they weren't bad guns at all. I remember those, and we yeah. I sold several of those over the years. And it, and I got to tell you, if you're going to go in a black finish, right, or the blued finish, yeah, um, it's pretty the track, good looking. The tracker looks better. Now the stainless, yep. the stainless version doesn't. If you're going to go stainless, go Smith and Wesson. Yeah. Uh, as far as looks. now, unless you go with that classic series K22, but I mean, you're talking about a, you know, this is true. Yeah, those things are. Uh, I don't even know what the prices on them now. They were expensive. Yeah, you know, five or six years ago, so I'm sure they're probably that fifteen hundred dollar, two thousand dollar ballpark now. Right. Um. So the what I was going to ask with uh with Rye Rock and with the revolvers, and thanks Buck for bringing that up, by the way. Um. So are they pretty much they're gone? Is what you're saying? Is as soon as those revolvers come in, pretty much then, right? Oh yeah, like I've got. We've already got, you know, tons of orders in already pre-placed for those. And so they come in the door, they get processed, they go right back out the door. You're talking about manufacturing and things like that is one of the things we do in-house because they're at import. There's certain restrictions on barrel links and that type of stuff. It's like our two-inch guns. We actually have to cut and crown in-house. Mm-hmm. So those guns right. come in. We actually cut them, cut the barrels, crown them, box them, all that stuff ourselves. And like, you know, you're... Your sponsor, we use MTM cases for all those. Right, right. So, yeah, I was going to ask you because you, you know, you are, uh, we're winding down here, so why not? Uh, you've been around firearms your entire, pretty much your entire life, like me. Yeah. Um, how, how long, how long ago can you remember something from MTM Case Guard? <laughs> I mean, I was a kid for sure. Right. Like, my granddad had MTM products and I was, you know, Probably the ammo, was, the ammo cases for all the yeah, reloading I, and stuff. Yeah, I uh-huh. was, I was definitely single digits child. Yeah, yeah. Probably so, probably somewhere between six and nine, somewhere in that mm-hmm. ballpark, I would imagine. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, yeah, they've been around I, for a long time. You I know. have no idea how many MTM products I have. But it's a lot. I can tell you that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's uh let's let's kick this over let's have a little fun chase for for a few minutes here before we get out of here i'm going to give you uh i'm gonna give you some this or that questions and uh i don't really care for an explanation but you got to pick one so here we go uh who is the goat lebron james or michael jordan michael jordan anybody says lebron i can get out right now (laughs) right uh 
Had you rather have a Bronco or a Blazer? And I'm not sticking a year model to it, but Bronco or Blazer? Honestly, Bronco. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the old OJ vintage or honestly the new like Bronco Raptor is pretty slick too. Well, you know, people say OJ vintage, but if you ever into Longmire, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, that was a Bronco. Yeah, that was pretty that was sweet. Yeah, he had a pretty sweet Bronco. Just no Bronco twos, man. Other than that, we're all right. Right. Um, given the choice, this is you know obviously being able to do it at cost and physical shape, anything of that nature out the window. Um, you know, all things equal. You'd rather climb Mount Everest or dive in the Mariana Trench. Mariana Trench. I'm a is. As cool as it would be to say you ascended Everest, a lot of people have been to the top of Everest. Not a lot of people have been to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. And I'm, yeah. a, I'm a saltwater and ocean lover, so why not? Yeah, and, and I had another guest at Pickwack when they said, you know, I might find a new species or something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That, how cool would that be to find a new species, maybe get to name it? That could be kind of neat. Absolutely. Plus, I'm into, you know, you know, we've talked, I'm into watches and all. And I mean, you got deep sea watches made just for that. Oh, this it's is just, true. Yeah. You know, it's just cool stuff. Like, you know, the technical aspect of that really intrigues me. Right. Uh, had you rather eat Mexican food or Italian food? I think I know the I answer mean, to that one. I mean, both. That's a Having hard choose. choice, man. That's a hard choice. Got it. You got to make a choice. Oh. I, I got a feeling. I got a feeling where you're gonna go with this. I don't get me wrong. I love both, but I eat more Mexican than Italian. Really? Yeah. Is that not. why? Is that why every time you go to a show, you end up eating Italian, or is that because that's what Keith chooses? Well, Keith likes. We usually go to Italian at least one show. We try to find a good. If we even places we've yeah. never been, we try to find a good place, and I'm usually right. in charge of that. And right. I try to find the places that are authentic, real. Try to make make their own pasta in house. That's what I try to look for. Okay. Because I love, like, I love legitimate real Italian food. Right. Right. Uh, let's see. Tater tots or french fries? Oh, tater tots all day. Oh, yeah. You can do so much with tater tots. So much. Uh, we talked about that in our special barbecue joint in Vegas. We've talked about that yeah. privately. Uh, you will have to be privy to that one day. Um, if you could, you'd rather be Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark? I mean, I grew up a Batman fan as a kid, but if you have the option, I, I mean, Tony Stark's got all the cool stuff, and his parents didn't get murdered, so I'm going Tony Stark. Well, his parents did get murdered, though. Well, they did, but not like you know, he was not in front of, not in front of, yeah, not in front of as a child, yeah. And so, my thing is, Bruce Wayne did not solve the issues of time travel, right? Like no, totally you, got, you got all the money, you got all the charisma, you got all the attitude, you got all the cool toys, and you got the brains to build it all in the first place. Yeah, now, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. Lucius Fox is awesome, but that wasn't the question. No, would you rather be Lucius Fox or Tony Stark? <laughs> True story, and that's the thing is, Bruce kind of you know, basically, let's be honest, Bruce played his parents' money, Tony Stark used his intelligence to get where he was and his right. acumen. And well, both of them and, and Rich out there, was it Rich? One of them. Who said that? It was Woods. Said Stark made his money on his own. Now, not really. Not really. Um, you know, you got to realize daddy was around and working for the government and everything yeah. else for a long time and oh. everything else. But, but uh, Stark, Sark definitely contributed to a whole lot and built upon what his dad already did for sure. Correct. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, before we close out, Chase, just real quick. Um, yeah. Where can folks follow what all's going on? All the, all the wonderful social media, probably Omar screwing up anyway. Um, <laughs> where, where can they follow all that nonsense? So, I mean, obviously check out our webpage, eacorp.com. That's going to be, uh, you know, pretty up-to-date at all times. Right now, as soon as you click on that, the tip-up's the first thing you see. And it's a little animation of it going up and down. It kind of gets into that. Uh, that's our, you know, our homepage, our landing for all that. You know, Instagram, Facebook, we're pretty active on both. 
We got kicked off TikTok because they hate us. Shocker <laughs> right. there. That didn't last long. I knew it wasn't. Um, yeah. Trying to have a few things on YouTube, not a ton. I'm trying to, you know, get some time at some point this year because it's been a rough year. A lot yeah. going on. Trying to build the YouTube presence up a little more on that. Front. Right. Well, y'all get a lot out by proxy, right? Yeah. Um, I got to say, my Gerson stuff, all my Gerson content, uh, and, and other folks out there, too, they're they're working with the Gerson stuff. The Gerson content's doing really, really well. So, um, yeah. you know, yeah, you want a presence. Everybody wants a presence, right? But, you know, I don't know how yeah. important it is to build it up to a big, huge channel or anything like that. I don't want it necessarily like a huge channel, but I want yeah. to be able to you know, put some more informative stuff out or whatever. And then, you know, that's what I have y'all for the people we partner up and work with. You know, that's who can do the reviews and be honest about whatever. Yep. Ours is more an informative thing or, you know, having right. some fun with it. Right. But well, it, know, hel it helps with us simply for the fact that you have that presence, right? Because we can't link to your website, for example. Right. Uh, yep. But we, but we can link to your YouTube channel if you have one. Exactly. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating when some of the companies you work with don't have a YouTube channel and you're like, man, you just like tied my hands. I can't do anything. <laughs> that's it. That's, and that's another reason to have one, you know, and, and if anybody, you know, anybody out there that, you know, engages with us across social media, you know, if you talk to us and it's a good experience, that was hundred percent me. And if it's a terrible experience, that was hundred percent Omar. Right. Right. So, you know, just keep that in mind. <laughs> exactly. I would Chase. never say anything controversial or negative towards anyone. It's okay. <laughs> right. Chase, man, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping in and hanging out. Sadly, uh, our guest did not jump in. I don't know what happened, but for those that are wondering, uh, I'll go ahead and plug it in and, and pimp it out a little bit for him. Uh, Big Tony Simon with 2A4E and DiversityShoot.com uh, said that he was going to try to jump in and kind of pimp out some new diversity shoots he's having. And I forgot in what part of the country he even said they were. So, um, yeah, 2A4E, and I believe it's diversityshoot.com. Uh, if you're interested in checking that out and helping Tony and knowing, finding out what's going on, uh, jump over there and check that out for sure. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk again soon, Chase, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping in, for hanging out. Oh, yeah, man, no problem. It's always a good time. And, uh, yeah, with that out of the way, um, that does it. And that does it not just for this episode, but that does it for the entire early 2023 season. Now, the plan is uh, to get caught up on some t &E stuff. All of the other content is going to keep coming. So uh, just be aware, prepared, and expecting that for sure. Uh, and then um, sometime, I don't know, August, September-ish, uh, somewhere in that range, we will kick off the late 2023 season and uh, do this all over again. Probably have kind of a new studio, a new setup. We'll have uh, a new powered sponsor, potentially, or who knows what all we'll be doing. Definitely have some uh, some new, exciting, and interesting guests. Uh, since this is the Thursday, for those live, for those that's watching, at least before the weekend, have a great weekend. And uh, let's say uh, thanks again. Uh, to MTM Case Guard for powering this season of the podcast. MTMCase-Guard.com. You can use CloverTech and save 10%. And it's Chase Verified, man. They are powerhouses with what they do in the industry. Been around a long time. Got a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and worthy of at least going and uh, checking out. So, yeah, have a great weekend. And uh, we'll see you in the other socials and everything else. We'll be back with uh, the late season in a few months. Till then, uh, don't forget to change by our freedom. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out CloverTac.com. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the CloverTac Podcast. <laughs>